talking about relationships this month, and, and we've, we've, it's in week two of our series, Meant to Be, and we've been talking about how relationships, relationships are meant to be and how they're supposed to be and how maybe sometimes we get them confused and sometimes we get them um, a little unorganized like the lights and, you know, <laughs> poor Doug, <laughs> demonic lights. It's not Doug's fault, I promise you. We've been, he's been casting the devil out of them lights for a while. I'm fine, brother, if y'all fine, it's okay. So pull the plug, do something. But <laughs> How's that look on my head? Is that pretty good or what? Huh? Now y'all know what I look like of every ethnicity. Hey, boy, the stinking lights. Let's see if we can do this. All right, we ready. <laughs> so we've been talking about meant to be and how relationships are meant to be. And last week we, we jumped on the topic of attraction. And we talked about how God gives us this gift called attraction and, and how we are attracted to certain things that we find personally beautiful or attractive, right? And so some of you may have been taught as a child that attraction is a bad thing and that it's a no-no and that you're not supposed to be attracted or even express that you're attracted to something because it it kind of became taboo or a no-no. And some of you weren't taught anything, and so attraction just ran wild. (laughs) You were like, oh, I'm attracted to this. Oh, no, I'm attracted to this. I don't know how you were raised. I was raised very legalistically where attraction was a no-no. I got in trouble one time in school because my mom found a note that a girl wrote, that I wrote a girl, a love note. It wasn't that cute, I promise you. <laughs> I was a 13-year-old boy going through puberty. It wasn't a love note. And so my mama found this note, but I was attracted to things. But nobody ever taught me about attraction and how to handle attraction and what it's supposed to be like and what am I supposed to use it for, right? So because nobody ever taught me, I ran wild. I ran rampant. Amen? And so we, we talked about attraction last week. And so my goal for this series is that as we finish this series over the next couple of weeks, my goal is that at the end of this series, you have a brand new perspective on your relationships. That you have a clear understanding of what your relationships were meant to be. Right? Because what they're meant to be may not be what they are right now. Come on. I'm not going to get you to raise your hand, but some of you know right now that the relationships that you are currently in aren't going the way that you expected them to go. And I just want to give you a little bit of relief this morning and tell you that's okay. It's okay. Just don't stay there. Amen? It's okay to be in a bad spot. It's just not okay to stay there. Right? And so today we're going to talk about conflict. (laughs) Some of you are glad your husband came to church (laughs) and vice versa. I ain't going to let you off that easy, women. So I want to warn you a little bit this morning. I'm going to talk, I'm going to use my kids a lot. You know me, I'm always using my kids as an example, but, (laughs) and sometimes you may only hear the, the one side of the story here on Sunday, but. My kids and my wife and I are, are, are highly engaged. We, we are close to one another, and our relationship is deep and it's rich. And we, we're just, that's, for Cheryl and I, that's what we do. We're, we're, we're believing that, this, that our children are a, a new generation of Tylers and Fontenot's. You follow me? And so we were a transition generation. God ripped us out of spiritual death, did something in both of us, and now he's changing us and transforming us as we grow And so then he gave us these kids that they're going to take off where we left off. They don't have to go through what we went through. Amen. And so I use my kids a lot and I want to use them a little bit this morning. And and I want to say this. Can you believe that yesterday I'm out at the barn and my wife's and the kids are all up at the house and we we've been trying to sell the house and I'm going to throw you under the bus, babe. we're, We're trying to sell the house. So we've been showing the house. We don't have a realtor and trying to do it on our own and. And so somebody called and they want to come see the house Monday. And you know they always call when the house is its worst, right? And we got a big house and it takes a lot to clean it. So we got to team up on this thing. And so, man, the kids are in there working. I'm outside taking care of the animals. 
and I look from the barn, and I see Cheryl, and well, actually, I see Anna running out of the carport, and I see Cheryl coming behind her with the flash water, swinging. Hey, don't, don't come mess around my house. And then I seen Ethan sneaking up behind the other car. He was kind of doing this. And I'm going, uh-oh. So what did they do? I mean, I was having personal flashbacks. My grandmother used to beat me with a fly swatter. I was kind of like, I didn't know whether to save the kids or what. And so the kids, you know, she had enough. She sends them out to the barn. Go talk to your daddy. And so they come out there and I go, what would y'all do? Who did you tell to mop? Was it me or Anna? I went, what? Well, I locked Anna out because I wanted to mop, and then she locked me out because she wanted to mop, and we were fighting and banging on the door because we wanted to mop. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what to say. I never in my life have been in that situation where somebody's fighting over the mop. And I go, I'm like, Seriously? Y'all fighting over the mop? I mean, at the same time, I was going, praise God. This thing's working, man. God. I'm like, y'all fighting over the mop? I'm like, and I don't know if I did the right thing or the wrong thing. You know, sometimes in parenting, you just kind of do what's there. And I said, well, I tell you what, I'm going to fix this. So y'all going to go mop the outdoor kitchen four times. I said, when you mop, you going to watch. And then when you mop, you go watch. I think I messed them up. They probably don't want to mop anymore. But they had this conflict going on over mopping. And at, at the same time, I was going, God, y'all were fighting. But man, praise God. I think. But relationships are tough, aren't they? Because none of us are the same. Look at the person next to you. They don't even look like you. In fact, they don't even smell like you. And some of you might say, well, thank God. (laughs) They don't think like you. They don't anticipate like you. They don't feel like you feel. They don't see things the way you see them. You don't have the same past. Nobody in this room has the exact same past. Nobody in this room thinks the same. You're all different. And here's the clue. God made you that way. Because what if the whole world was like me? I'm going to get you some of that. (laughs) I would think this world would be a better place. But I know that even I would get tired of myself. Amen? So God made us different. And he made us... He made us different in his own way. And it's, it's meant to be that way. And he has a purpose for it. Are you with me? So you got to be okay with being different. You got to be okay that not everybody thinks you're the smartest person in the world. I mean, when you hit like 35, guys, you start realizing, you know what? I am not the gift to all women. Insecurities start creeping in and you start realizing things about yourself. So I believe most of you would agree that we're confused about how relationships are meant to be. We basically have patterned our relationship off of our parents or our guardians, right? So you typically, what I've, what I've seen as a pastor is that when, when married couples come in, they come in acting like their parents acted, Right? So Susie comes into the marriage acting like Susie's parents, and Billy comes in acting like Billy's parents. And now they've, they've made this covenant with one another and God and everybody else that came to the wedding that they would never separate until they die. <laughs> and then they're in the midst of it and they're going, oh, shoot. We are so different. I want to surprise you a little bit this morning. I want to tell you what I believe. I believe that conflict is a good thing. I believe conflict is a God thing. And I can prove it to you in scripture. Conflict is a God thing when it's handled the right way. Come on. Let me give you one verse just to start to prove that to you. Proverbs 27, 17, one of my life verses says that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. 
right? How many of you ever sharpened a knife before or a pair of scissors or something like that? Raise your hand. I want to see who you are. You've sharpened something. What does it take to sharpen a knife? It takes pressure, right? It takes something else more aggressive than it, right? It takes friction. And watch this. It gets a little hot, right? Or maybe as we say right here, a little fashade. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. How does a man sharpen another man? By rubbing up against them. By being in a relationship with them. Do you realize that your marriage is the greatest way God's going to move in your life? God's cutting away more junk in you through your marriage than he's ever cut away from you just reading your Bible. I think my marriage has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's what I believe. And it's not because the birds are singing and the flowers are blooming. It's because the conflict that Cheryl and I have been through have changed me. The man you see today is not the man you saw 18 years ago when we said, I do. Come on. The man you see today is sharper than the dull boy that that got married 18 years ago. Cheryl is sharper now that she met me. Come on, girl. Just say it. So I was raised to believe that conflict is bad. Right? Because what, what happens? Just like I did with my kids. When you, when you have conflict, what happens? The parent comes in as the ultimate conflictor and settles the issue with some more conflict, but then fusses at you for his conflict. Right? So we get taught that conflict is a no-no, that you should never have conflict. You get in a fight with Billy at school, and you get suspended, and you get in trouble at home. Right? We've been taught that conflict's not good and that you should avoid it at all costs. So what typically happens is you get people that, that just say, well, I, I can't get away from conflict. For, I, I'm just going to go at conflict full force. That's me. Okay, you got people like me that kind of like conflict. We kind of look for it. <laughs> I call it sharpening people. And, and then you got other people who, who, who kind of squelch back. And they go, well, I'm not supposed to fight. You know, those of you who are afraid to make a mistake, you know who you are. You know who I'm talking to. You're rule followers, right? And you don't like to make mistakes. So when conflict arises, what do you do? You kind of, you see, my youngest daughter, Anna, is a peacemaker or a peacekeeper. She hates conflict. You know how I know she hated conflict from an early age when she would mess up and I'd go to whip her? It was like trying to wrangle a bull. And she's skinny. I couldn't get that girl over my knee for nothing. She don't like pain and she don't like conflict. And still to this day, she's the peacemaker. So when her and her sister and her brother all got some strife going on, Anna's the one that's sitting there trying to go, oh, 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 just, oh, just get along. Oh, you're laughing, but some of you are like that. You're peacekeepers. And so what happens to a peacekeeper is a peacekeeper is trying to keep peace everywhere when the whole time they're getting dumped on. I could use another word, but they're getting dumped on and they're starting to fill up with all this, this stuff until one day the peacekeeper blows up. Now, I learned a lesson early in school. It wasn't the loud, noise-talking kids that you had to be afraid of. It was the little quiet kid in the corner that had a tornado going on inside. Don't mess with that brother because he just might blow, right? So some of you are peacemakers or peacekeepers, and you take all this stuff internally until one day you blow, and that's not a good thing either. But I'm here today to tell you that conflict is good if you handle it the right way and that it's actually something that God uses to sharpen us. Amen? So number one, conflict brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
I was just recently in a premarital counseling with a couple, and and man, they they're just they're they're in the the they're in the the puppy love stage. I mean, they've been dating for a while, and they they really do kind of uh, connect real good. But they're in the puppy love stage. And so I, I said to them, I gave them homework one day. I said, "Listen, your homework this week is to go fight." And they were kind of like, "And my thinking is, is that you better get in a fight before you say I do." Come on, guys, you need to see the sister's claws come out before you get up in a covenant. Listen, I used to bounce at the clubs. I've seen some pretty girls turn into some wild cats. I got beat up by one one time. My encouragement was to go have a little conflict. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, start expressing what you're feeling. Because you see, when you're in a new relationship, you want everything to go right, and you don't want to shake the water. You don't want to ruffle the bushes, right, or the feathers. You don't want to do that. You want to kind of keep peace. And so what happens is, is that you end up suppressing all of these feelings until one day, kaboom, right? And then it turns into a 911 situation. So my goal for you today is that we just get out in front of the conflict and we handle it before it becomes a fight, right? I think that's one of the keys to marriage is, is learning how to handle conflict before it becomes a fight. Mm-hmm. So conflict brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly. The funny thing is you usually got to get through the bad and the ugly before you get to the good, <laughs> right? Me and Cheryl had a whole lot of bad and ugly We had all of our past hurts and wounds, all the ways we were mistreated as children and as young adults and the stupid decisions we made that we carried into this marriage that ultimately did something to us. It was bad. I I sit here, I I stand here today and I tell you, I'm grateful for my pastor because I give him some credit. He saved my marriage a few times. He called me down off the edge of the building or off the edge of the cliff. I thank God for the people that came along and spoke truth to me. Even though I didn't like it. Right? Funny thing is you thought your kids were perfect until you tried to take candy from them, huh? Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 says this, says to always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Huh? What, what, let me read that again. Making allowance for each other's fault. So look at the person next to you and, and pretend that you're giving them an allowance. You know what an allowance is, right? An allowance is, is giving you something that you haven't earned. Come on. You see, the Bible says that we're supposed to give each other an allowance for each other's faults. In other words, you got to give each other a little bit of room to make an error. A little bit of room to be who you are. That's room for ugly and bad. So you need some bad, ugly room. Right? So making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Peace is the glue that holds you together. Glue gets stretched from time to time, right? Sometimes peace wants to leave my house. Yesterday, peace had many times wanted to leave my house. I had to pull it back in, right? Come on, you got to fight for peace. But first you got to establish it. The only way you ever establish peace is through conflict. So Paul says that we got to be humble and gentle and patient. All your favorite words. We got to make allowances for each other's faults. In other words, you got to put up with some people. Because listen to me, people have been putting up with you. I hate to break your heart, but you want. You, you wasn't born perfect. You got some junk in your trunk. 
So that verse right there proves that we're going to have conflict because God's word got out ahead of us and he says you're going to have to be gentle, humble, patience, and you're going to have to make allowance for people. Why would he say that if we were never meant to have conflict? Why would he give us the remedy to conflict if he would never expect us to have conflict? Right? And, and you got to know this too. I mean, just, just on a side note, there's principalities in the darkness and there's demonic powers on this earth that are fighting right now to break up your relationships. There's a special forces army that the demons have and there's just, they're, they're assigned just to marriage. So you got forces of evil coming to destroy your marriage. You better be ready. I'm sorry your parents didn't teach you like mine didn't teach me, but you know what? You're going to have to get it. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to get it. Amen? And there's also heavenly forces fighting to unite your marriage. You also got a savior that died on the cross and gave you the power to overcome this thing called your flesh. Do you know you don't have to say something stupid? You realize that? I learned that the other day. I was like, you know, I don't have to say something stupid. I said something stupid to a realtor the other day. My wife goes, you know, you don't have to say that. I was like, I guess I don't. Funny thing is, anytime you put two or more individuals created by God together, you're going to have conflict. And boy, it shows up in the church, don't it? <laughs> Some days, <laughs> I ain't saying it. Some days it's more peaceful outside the church than it is inside the church. Because boy, when you get people close to each other, that friction comes, amen? So number one, conflict brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly. And listen to me, that's okay. It's meant to do that. Here's the, here's the beauty of Cheryl and I's marriage and your marriages too, is this, is that we came together and we had conflict and we still have conflict from time to time. We had conflict. The bad and the ugly came out. Okay? I know her inside and out. She knows me inside and out. She knows my ugliness. She knows my badness. She knows everything about me. Listen to this. But she still loves me. You see, there's, there's, a, there's a key right there. It's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus knows all of your sin. He knows all of your baggage. He knows all of your junk. And he still loves you. He still loves you. Number two, conflict brings out the truth. I can remember some of the fights we've been in, Cheryl and I, and I swore I was right, and I would storm out of the bedroom because, you know, fights only happen after 10 o'clock, right, when everybody's trying to go to bed and have a little peace, right? I mean, it's like, why can't we fight at 5? Why has it got to be at 10? Don't you know we got to get up in the morning? Anybody feel that way? Two of y'all. Well, pray for me. We start fighting earlier. Storm out of the bedroom, go to the, to the living room in the dark and sit there with my lip dragging and tell God that he needs to fix that woman. I'm serious. Just I'm like, Lord, Lord, you know. You know I'm right. You better fix her. And I'll go back in there whenever she's fixed. Well, I tried that one time. We sleep broken all the time. To only have God turn around and say, son, let me tell you the truth. The truth is, if you would have led this way, or if you would be doing this, or if you would be speaking the truth to your wife, she would never be that. Right? So I go praise God because of the conflict, the truth came out. See, sometimes we don't hear the we don't hear what we need to hear till it's nine one one. 
right? Isn't that funny? I always think it's better to hear God when everything's nice and peaceful and instead of the 911, but I don't, I don't have the secret to get there. So Ephesians 4.25 says this. It says, to stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. This is what God's telling me about this, this, this point right here, is that for some of us, those peacekeepers, we choose not to say what we're feeling. We choose not to bring up any issues because we want to keep peace, right? So, but, but, but because we want to keep peace, even though we're hurting, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to do all those things, but we're hurting and we keep our mouths shut and we don't express how we feel because there's not a safe environment to share your heart with your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with. So because of that, you start welling up inside. And get this, because you choose not to tell the person that's hurting you that, that what they did hurts, you're actually strengthening them to hurt you more. You're giving them more power over you because you're choosing not to have conflict. And Paul says, stop telling lies. Period. Short sentence. Do you know you're lying when you keep your mouth shut? You're lying when you don't tell somebody the truth about how you feel. Can I just be honest? One of the things I really hate in relationships is when I feel like I have permission in this area with this relationship and I walk in that place and only to later find out that that offends them and it aggravates them. You follow me? It makes me feel like a fool and I don't like to feel like a fool. I go, God, if you just would have said something, I wasn't trying to hurt you. Because you see, here's the deal. When Cheryl and I learned how to start telling each other the truth, we started moving in the right direction and we started growing like we were supposed to grow. I don't like to tell her the truth. I like to keep peace. I like to hold her at night. But when sometimes when I tell her the truth, she don't want to hear it. We had a funny instance the other day. I got the, still got the text message. We were laughing about this this weekend. Just this thing, just all these pressures going on and all this stuff. And typically it's, it's this way in our marriage. If I tell Cheryl the truth about what she's doing, she don't want to hear it. So there's always been this kind of invisible wall that, so I, I get to the point where I'm going, okay, I guess I can't say nothing. Every time I say something, even if I, and Pastor Bill's like, use your nice voice. I'm like, Baby, 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 you, you know, no offense, but, but baby, that's not good. I'm like, dang it. So the other day, the other day, this is funny. I, I don't know if this happens at 40. Maybe some of you can testify, but the other day she comes to me and she goes, baby. I'm like, what? She's like. You've been, you've been doing this. What you talking about? I don't do that. You crazy. And boy, this big old fight was coming. You know, you, you, you recognize the pressure. Don't come here with that. You know when the fight's about to blow up. We've learned how to run. So, so what we do, so then all this pressure starts building and all these things start happening. She's like, I'm, t- I'm, just, I'm just trying to tell you, baby, that you, you, you're doing this. I'm, I ain't doing that. You crazy. I don't have an anger issue. What's wrong with you? I'll see you later. Love you. Walk out the door. And here's the funny part. She sends me a text about 15 minutes later. She goes, well, the funny thing is, is now I know how you feel when you try to tell me something. <laughs> I went, Whoa. She goes, we got to stop switching places. So I don't know when you get, if you get to 40, I mean, do you start like switching roles or something? That's a question. So the funny thing is, is <laughs> she knows how I feel and I know how she feels. So I can't wait to tell her something to see how it you know, works. <laughs> but conflict brings out the truth. 
to get out in front, you have to speak the truth. You got to be open about how you feel. You got to tell people what's going on inside of you, especially with your spouse. I mean, another instance, we switched roles the other night. I used to fuss about her saying something in bed when she'd always want to tell me what I got to do tomorrow when we're laying in bed about to go to sleep. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to remember this. So the other night I had all this stuff in my heart and I was just wrestling. And so I was like, and she's like ready for bed. She'd have been sleeping two hours in the recliner, but she's ready for bed. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, you sleeping? <sighs> no. I was like, look, I just need to talk. Okay. <laughs> you know how that is. And I just shared my heart with her and she listened. She didn't even fall asleep. And so you, you gotta, you gotta talk. You got to actually talk. What do you mean, Pastor? We talk all the time. No, 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 no. You got to tell each other about your relationship with one another. You got to talk some things out. My business partner and I got in a bad spot in our relationship when I shut up. And I quit expressing to him how I felt about things. So I shut up and the storm starts happening inside and that starts taking control of my feelings and my emotions. And before you know it, it went from a disagreement or just something kind of awkward between us into this big old thing where I started hating him. Couldn't stand to be around him anymore. All because I shut up. Right? Right? Listen, if the brother's feet stink, tell him. If her hair looks bad, tell her. If she looks like Mama when she's walking out of the house, say something. She wants to know. If you do something that hurts the other person, say something. Amen? You got to talk. And the secret is, here's the secret. Here's the whole secret to the whole thing. I'm just going to give it to you now. You got to get out in front of the conflict. Right? You got to get out in front of it where it's still, you can still deal with it. It's like getting in front of a problem. Right? It's like making plans not to have a problem or to eliminate problems. If you have a good communication line open and you create a safe place where you can share your heart with one another, then you can get out in front of this conflict. Come on, somebody. But instead, if you don't have that environment and you don't get out in front of it, it always comes back to fight. Fight or flight. Right? And so this is what it looks like. It looks like a cycle. We call it a vicious cycle. So you've been married for five years and you're on this cycle you can't seem to get off of. Every three months you can almost bank on it. Here comes a fight. You start planning your hunting trips around the fight. Because you're on this vicious cycle that you can't get off of. Come on, somebody. The secret is to get out in front of that and communicate. To tell each other the truth in love. You know that's actually scriptural? To tell the truth in love? So number one, conflict brings out the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good news is you get to see the good. You know what the good is? The good is when somebody turns around and repents. The good is when somebody turns around and changes. Right? Right? They're actually different than they were before. And you see some growth in their life and you go, hey, that's good. Right? And then number two, conflict brings out the truth. Number three, conflict is meant to be good. It's meant to be good. God wants you to have conflict. In fact, I think that's why he made you different. Because one of the most important things in the kingdom is relationships. Everything that God does starts with a relationship. Some of you are are believers and saved now because of a relationship you formed with somebody else who had a relationship with Jesus that led you to Jesus. 
Everything God does starts with relationships are valuable. They're important. I believe it's a testing field for us. I believe it's a good garden where God wants to grow us is relationships. So therefore, I believe that that conflict is good. So don't be afraid of conflict. Just learn how to get out in front of it and make it good. One of the last big fights we had, it was a, it was a, it was a wall hanger. I stormed out of the house and I called my pastor. I said, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm done. I said, we've been fighting about this same thing for 16 years, man of God. When's it going to change? And so he let me spill my guts and I spilled my guts. And he said, this is what he said to me. He goes, man of God, you already know what to do. Turn around and go home and do it. I'm thinking, that's not what I wanted to hear. I just wanted you to agree with me. But that didn't happen. So I left the job because my marriage is more important than a job. And I turned myself around and I went home. And I prayed and I asked God to calm me down. And we sat at the table. A simple, just silly thing. We pulled out a piece of paper. I said, I want you to write down what I do that aggravates you. Or what I don't do. Because her love language is acts of service. Mine's touch. It's just really hard to come together. So she wrote down some things. She said, well, you write down some things. And I wrote down some things. Very practical. This is not me, okay? I'm not me. So we did that. And then we talked about it. And so if, if one of her things was, you know, you see me in a bind at the house when we got homework and we got the kids are running crazy. And we got all these things and, and you don't get up and wash the dishes or you don't get up and you don't help me. And the whole time I was thinking like she just wants a brother to wash the dishes because she don't like washing dishes. I don't like washing dishes. But what I didn't realize was that she was in a bind and she needed help. So because we had that conversation I gained understanding that, baby, I don't want you to wash the dishes all the time. First part of me went, whoo, praise God. This this she said, but I want you to help me when you see me in a bind. Because just the fact that you see that I'm in a bind tells me that you love me. It tells me that you're paying attention to me. It tells me that I'm on your radar and you care about me. And I went, man, all that? They can shoot, I'll get your motor running quick now. So then I expressed to her how I felt about the whole thing. And when we came out of it, we both gained understanding. And man, I don't want to jinx this in no way, but it's been good since the little paper episode. Praise God. Let me finish reading Ephesians to you, and then I'm going to give you another verse, and then I'll close it out with a story. Yes, another story. I love telling stories. I hope you love to listen to them. Ephesians 4, we're going to start at verse 21. I just want you to listen to this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. In other words, don't act like your parents did. Don't act like you were raised. Come on, somebody. Throw off the old nature. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So this new nature you've been given is is to act like God. Verse 25, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You need to settle your issues <laughs> before the sun goes down. You need to at least call a truce or something. Take a, a battle time out. Right? Because if you don't, it gives a footstool or a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. The kind of language that's foul and the kind that abuses the person that's listening to it. You see, you got to learn how to fight a little better. A little more fair. But we're not going to get there. We're going to get out in front of it. Amen? Don't use foul and abusive language. You getting this? Let everything you say be good and helpful. Huh? Nobody ever taught me that. So that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow on God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That's a mouthful. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, <laughs> just as God forgave you. You see, relationships are important. They're valuable. If we're ever going to reach this region, if we're ever going to reach the world for Jesus, it's going to be done through relationships. And we got to get this thing right. Amen? I don't want my son to be in the spot that I was in when I said I do to Cheryl. You follow me? That's so important to me that I'm trying to deal with this so that he's got a good example and then I'm teaching him along the way. We're intentional to teach them. I let them have conflict. I don't teach them that conflict is a bad thing. When conflict happens and it gets to the unhealthy spot, we deal with it. So the other day, I'll end with this story and I'll try to keep it short. The other day, my, my kids are in the rabbit business together. And we make it as, as formal as, as possible, as official as possible. They all got titles and all this stuff and they're managing their money and they're writing stuff down. One's the One's the uh, account, not not the accountant, but like the, the scribe or something. And the other one's like the, the worker and Ethan's the visionary and all this. And so they were getting frustrated in the business. And one of them would come to me and say, man, this one ain't pulling their weight. And the other one comes, man, he's always fussing. And Anna's like, everything's okay. <laughs> and so... Cheryl and I have both been feeling the pressure for a couple of weeks, realizing that they're, they're not jiving, things aren't going well. And, man, the Holy Spirit hit me. I wish I could say it was my idea, but it wasn't. The Holy Spirit hit me. He said, call a board meeting. So I did. I said, hey, board meeting. Come on, we're sitting at the round table. I said, y'all sit down. I said, I'm, I'm the boss man around here because y'all owe me money. I said, so I get to speak. I said, we got some issues that we need to settle. I said, so this is what we're going to do. I said, Virginia, because you're the oldest, you get to go first. And I said, you too, you got to shut up and listen. I let her talk. I said, tell us how you feel. And so she started expressing her feelings to her brother and her sister. And it was, it was really getting pointed towards Ethan. And I said, son, you're next. So he starts expressing his feelings. And it's getting pointed back towards Virginia. And then I say, Anna, it's your turn. Everything's fine. 
Anna, seriously, Anna, tell us what you feel. Well, and she tries to be nice about it. I'm like, just say it. <laughs> Teach that girl how to be mean. And so then they start talking. <laughs> and just let me give you a piece of advice. Be careful when you call a board meeting with your kids because it all came back on me. Shazam. I did not see that coming. My wife was a wreck because it was kind of intense. She's walking around. She, she'll sit down. She'll get up. She'll walk around. And she was like, all oh, this. And I'm like. And then when it came back to me, she looked at me like, mm-hmm. And I went. Meeting adjourned. I'm out of here. Ethan was acting like I raised him. He was driving his sisters like I drove him. Come on. Tell me they don't watch. Tell me they're not paying attention. Tell me they don't feel. Tell me they don't hear. Tell me they're not going to do what you do. And so we settled it. And we all repented. Everybody took responsibility for their part in the relationship. And things are going well in the rabbit business. (laughs) They actually sold some rabbits and brought some income in. But the most important thing is they're getting along. And I taught them about expressing themselves before it gets to that point. I taught them have a sit down, have a one-on-one, stop everything else and say, hey, look, Ethan, buddy, you don't have to push me so hard. It's 630 in the morning. I'm, I'm just changing the rabbit's water. You don't have to. I'm going to get it. Tell him that. Son, if you feel like Virginia's being lazy, then ask her if there's something wrong or why she's being lazy. And so we taught him how to have a relationship, how to manage conflict. And we're going to keep teaching them until they leave. Amen? And we're learning along the way. We're learning we still got some work to do. Proverbs 15.1, I want you to, this is the last verse I want you to hear. This morning, Proverbs 15, 1, it says, a gentle answer deflects anger. It deflects it like, you see what I'm saying? Did you get that? It deflects anger. A gentle answer deflects anger. The tone of your voice has a lot to do with where the fight's going or where the conflict's going. But harsh words make tempers flare. You know, there's this fruit of the the spirit. (laughs) It's called self-control. And a lot of people like to focus on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Nobody likes self-control. That's what it says. A harsh word makes tempers flare. So I want to use the word safe, S-A-F-E. To leave you with something to remember, kind of like an acronym, I guess, if you'd call it. S represents say what's in your heart and on your mind. A represents acknowledge your wrong. F represents fight for peace. And watch E. E says, enjoy your relationships the way they were meant to be. Your relationships were meant to be enjoyed. God puts you together for enjoyment. Come on, somebody. He puts you together to love one another, to enjoy one another, to laugh, to cut up, to make pass a good time. Right? I want to enjoy my relationships. Do you? You want to enjoy your relationships?
Mamie, would you come up and start playing? I want to I shut this down right here. I want us to stop right here. I want you to stand up with me this morning. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for these relationships in this room. I thank you for every marriage represented here today, Lord. Lord, I know that some of us right now are struggling with relationships. We're struggling in our marriage. We may be struggling with friendships. We're just struggling. Lord, I just cry to you this morning because some of us just didn't know better, Lord. We just didn't know any better, Father. Lord, we were ignorant in a way that, that relationships were meant to be good and that conflict was meant to be good, Lord, and we, we just didn't know how to get out of where we're at, Father. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that your grace would abound in our lives that your grace would abound in our relationships, that your grace would abound in every area of our life, Lord. I just cry out to you, Father, and I ask you for these people this morning. I ask you for myself. Would you grace us in relationships? Would you grace us in marriage, Lord? Would you help us, Father, to learn to communicate Before it gets too bad. The Lord would say this morning to some of you, it's easier to put a fire out when it's in the kitchen, but harder to put it out when it's in the whole house. You know who that is. You know who that's for.